Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Skateboarding football fans, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be in the game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. I know I'm going to bet more when they add a wager for when the cardboard cutouts start a fight with each other. Then I'm going to be super stoked. So, from game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well, it never closes. So, head to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You're the one who wrote the question, and you get to answer the question this time. You're the creator of the show, whether you realize it or not. And this is Believe in Skateboarding, and I am the host, Jim Gray. And the first question that we ask, we're going to ask you. Remember, you wrote the question. It's, I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you? Hi, I'm Mark Kowalczyk, and I'm the originator of the question. I know. Who, I love who that. Who the hell so, am I? So I guess let's, let's just start there. We'll go, we'll go to like how we met after that, but um, you are a partner in a skateboard company in Canada. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, Jeff Talbot and myself formed Art School Skateboards uh, over 12 years ago. And basically it like came about where nobody was, nobody was doing a skateboard company in a city of one point two million people and it was just in between companies like there were companies before us but they just folded and nobody was doing anything so and I've never been the guy to sit by and just watch things not happen so we basically decided like hey if no one's gonna do this let's do this so what year did you start art school uh shit (laughs) approximately how many years ago 10 12 8 12 12. Okay. All right. There we go. Believe me, I suck at dates too. So I'm not, I'm the last yeah, don't, one. Don't make an artist do math. Let's yeah. not go there. All right. Yeah. Do math. I don't know if that's math. <laughs> that's just like, that's supposed to be something you remember in your head. Yeah. Uh, we all have iPhones now. You can remember the shadowing of someone's eyes in a certain light, but you can't remember what fucking year you started your company. That's pretty awesome. Let's see, this is, yeah. this is why we're interviewing an artist. Uh, and by the Dude, way, I don't I even know that Mark is an artist. What this whole COVID thing is, I don't even know what day it is today. I know, I nobody does. I, I literally just got the phone with someone and told them that uh, I read something funny, like a meme somewhere. It said like, you know, the days of the week are like this day, that day, next day, someday, you know, whatever day. You know, it's, uh, it's true. We're living in some strange times. But at least we don't have to wear masks around each other because you're like thousands of miles away. Oh, man, I should have just put my mask on. It would have been like the real world. It would have been like we're hanging out. That's pretty awesome. So I'm going to finish the story. So, so you do art school skateboards, uh, and we met, and I'll let you tell the story about that in a few minutes. But when we did a couple guest models, you did a couple Jim Gray models on, uh, on art school. The first one uh, was, was the truest statement that's ever been made on a skateboard, and it says Jim Gray is not cool. Okay, and we know it's true, so that was, uh, that was great because you guys were big Blockhead fans. I remember you said you guys were big Blockhead fans. 
And I, true, that, yeah. the Nothing is Cool board was really one of Blockhead's most iconic. So, um, so it was actually my idea. Jim Gray is not cool. And you drew it. And it came out awesome. And it was fun. People like that. So I think that... Uh, um, yeah, that, I mean, it was, it was real fun to do, like, a nod to Ron. I mean, his art is great. You know, it's, it's, always, it's always a little weird when you're, like, referencing a different artist. But I think, I mean, like, I, like you said, Jeff and I were big Blockhead fans. Like, I don't know. I, I, I can't even put my finger on why... Like, I really loved the brand. I think it was just because you guys were doing something different. The shapes were different. The art was different. It just stood out. Well, I loved it, it being- for sure. I mean, it's yeah. what caught my attention. I, I had been sponsored since I was very young. So I was doing demos in my mid-20s. And I've been sponsored since like 13. I didn't really shop in skate shops. I popped my head in them. I did demos. And I happened to go into a store in Arizona um, in the like kind of mid late 80s, 86, something like that, 87. And I saw a board that's the first thing in years that had caught my eye, like, whoa, let me see that. What is that? You know, and it was a blockhead meaning of life board. And it was just a super detailed graphic, cool, funky, you know, and I'm like, who are these guys? And they go, oh, there's some little skater owned brand up in Roseville. I didn't even know where Roseville was at the time, which Roseville is basically outside of Sacramento, California. Um, and so that embedded in my brain. And then uh, I went to a trade show a few months later and I saw this blockhead booth out in the corner of the middle of nowhere where they used to hide the new upcoming companies. And I walked over and just introduced myself to Dave. And I said, hey, dude, I just wanted to give you, you know, a handshake, a high five, whatever, and say, you guys are doing some cool stuff. And that was truly all I that was my only intention was just say, hey, I, I was stoked. It's the first thing that I'd walked in a skate shop in a long time and just looked up and said, dude, I want to know more about this company. So they definitely had a good vibe, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then Dave you know, just, I was about to walk away. Dave's like, well, you know, if you're ever in between companies, you know, call us up or something like that. And, you know, that, that, that I remembered and six months later, I called him up. So uh, that's how it got started with us. But yeah, it was, it was the idea that they were truly skateboarders. I mean, they were working out of a dentist's office. They screened their own t-shirts. They screened their own skateboards. Um, it was basically as raw as you could get. They had little mini ramps inside the front office. I mean, it was, uh, it was super pure and raw. And so I know I dug I dug blockhead. So I remember which graphic really resonated the most with me. Not like it. Sorry to say it wasn't your graphic. No, it's okay. It doesn't hurt my, but it was not, (laughs) it was the hard times graphic. And it it was just because how raw it was. It looked like somebody drew it either drunk or like left-handed or like, you know what I mean? And it was like, whoa, it was like a bold, bold move. It's funny. I didn't have anything to do with that graphic but I had to do with that whole the hard times concept because it was skateboarding. Oh, yeah? It's when mini logos and things like that started coming out and people were putting stuff out at price points and trying to compete. And, you know, and I remember saying, you know, why don't we just print one wheel out of a set of four and save the money off all the pad printing and do things like that. And, and that, that was kind of the concept behind hard times uh, because I got involved in the company eventually. I'm the one who got uh, blockhead brought down South and, uh, and, and tracker licensed them and was doing stuff there. So uh, I just, remember being involved in that idea but ron 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 or dave do it tell you i don't know who drew i think ron drew it um mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah that was yeah just, no i thought i thought it was just how raw like you know because it's skateboarders when you're growing up and you're like you know just finishing high school and and the whole like dirtbag lifestyle you don't have any money you're, you're you're drinking underage you're just like it's just the whole skateboard mentality and i thought that really that graphic really summed that up and i'm like it was a bold statement to put on a board in such a like a way where it's like, you know, one color, like we're not spending any money on, on like 10 no, colors. We I mean, like, literally we made four wheels with a string that tied them together and printed one, <laughs> one, printed one wheel. So we didn't print the other three. So we printed one out of four and tied a string around them to get the point across. Like 
hard times, simple, you know, uh, nothing fancy here, just trying to keep it good. So, um, but I mean, like, it's like, it's, it's such a, like, you know, less is more where it's like, you know, the, the concept outweighed the cost of the printing. You know what I mean? It's like, you weren't, you weren't going for like, you know, let's do 16 color graphics. It's like, no, it's like a, it's a good concept. And that's all you the really The timing for was good graphic. for Blockhead. The timing was just right. The skateboard companies have gotten super big in corporate, super set in their ways. They all had a set, set look. They all had a set vibe, you know, um, and it was just, these guys came along, just did whatever the hell they really wanted to, and it hit. I mean, I, I wrote for GNS, which was a massive skateboard company. In the 70s, it was massive. You know, in the early 80s, it started. And then by the time I had a model out in GNS in 83, GNS had kind of, you know, fallen off a little bit. Um, and, and, and it was also a tough time of skateboarding, okay? There wasn't a lot of sales going on. So I literally sold like hundreds of GNS boards here and there. You know, Neil Blender probably sold a couple thousand, you know, here and there. You know, whereas when I got on Blockhead, I sold a couple thousand boards a month. You know what I mean? It's like Blockhead. We sold a lot of boards. I mean, because Blockhead really hit hard, and it was it was fun. We had a great time. Blockhead was just really a um, a really a fun time. This is a long a long way to get around to the fact that you guys are Blockhead fans, right? So we mm-hmm. did an art school tribute to Blockhead board, um, right. and then when we did another one, like I don't know, it was a year after, two years after that, um, you drew that picture of me, which is a caricature, and you just wrote, and I don't even know. You have to explain this one. I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you? Um, and that when it, I wrote down 30, 40 different names to make the podcast or like that. I just, I laughed because I kept seeing that. And I go, that's the funniest thing there is. I mean, people are going to think it's arrogant or whatever like that. It was also a great way to introduce the show. I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you? You know, so, um, so you named the show with no intention and, uh, and you're getting, you know, heavy royalties for it. Nothing. You know, it's great. Um, <laughs> as most great creators of anything have gotten nothing for it so uh you'll be talking to my lawyer yeah. <laughs> we're doing a podcast to glamorize the fact that you came up with that illustrious tagline so, so what went through well, your mind we'll call you, it even what, what what went through your mind when you did that um shit I, you know sometimes it's hard to, to remember where you're at at the time and it because things just kind of come to me sort of fleetingly and like yeah. Sometimes I honestly will have some idea and I'll just take a quick note or write it down on my iPhone because like my brain is just like a spin cycle of ideas that kind of well, like a go pigeon that you drew that you wrote, I will shit on everything you own. So that's just like, that was just, so I was in the same light as that, you know? Well, I think, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think it might've come down to me explaining your character to my wife because my wife had never met you. That's pretty funny. And, you know, I was talking pretty heavily about you, what I was doing at the time. And, and I, and I kind of described you as being a character larger than life. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah, I mean, like, let's face it, like Jim, like you, you're a character, you know, you are a character. Well, I like life. Life is fun. So exactly. And people like you for being you. And And so both don't forget about that. So, so I, I kind of, no, <laughs> no, no, I go there. But, um, but like, so I think at the time I was trying to be like this, trying to come up with some slogan that was like larger than life. But then I, I made it as kind of a joke where it's like, like you are the pinnacle and everyone's beneath you. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, and when I read that, it was kind of like, I'm like, 
damn, I would have never done that myself. And yet people do think I'm full of myself because I do. I'm proud of things I do. I talk about things I do. And they, you know, some people think I'm really full of myself. But I'm really not. I mean, I, I'm fortunate. I'm lucky. But when I read that, it was I mean, hilarious. Like, oh, I love that. You can't laugh at yourself. If you can't laugh at yourself. Well, then... everyone else is laughing at me. I might as well laugh at myself. So that's how I laugh. I mean, I think that's the ultimate confidence where you yeah. can take make fun of yourself and, and laugh at it and step back and be like, this is just a joke, you know? And I, and I knew anybody that could handle it. It was you. So, I mean, I <laughs> well, think so you know you. that. So I thank never you for naming this show. It's, this is now yeah. the honorary show where uh, we acknowledge who, who created the name of the show. Thank you. And, and the is I know, again, we're doing this, we're doing this uh, um, audio uh, mostly, but there, there, there's the graphic for, if anybody, we take a clip out of this, that's the, crazy graphic where you actually drew my dog Coco as well and and right I, and then really just so people know the body is a reference to Jim's board on Blockhead which is behind his head right yeah. now yeah and it's funny because uh you know now Blockhead refers to as angry man or something like that I don't even know if they originally sold it as angry man um uh it's so weird how some people are so super attached to their graphics and so on and so forth. The, the, the graphic was actually drawn or it was actually done on a, on a board, I think several years, maybe before Blockhead even started, you know, or at the beginning of it, Braun painted it on a skateboard and he just took that okay. and added some stuff to it. So I've seen the original skateboard, just a skateboard with a character, that character basically painted on it. And then he later drew that and made it into my graphic. And to me, my thing was, I wasn't an artist, you know, just like you're an artist, you've done great stuff for me. I'll talk to you about things I like, but ultimately you're going to do it much better than me. So my thing was like, you block it. You guys are great artists. Do your, do your stuff. You know what I mean? Don't, don't mm -hmm. ask me. Like even when Dave does reissues, like what colors you want? He'll send me 10. I'll go, you know, I like these two or three, but if you want something different, go for it. Cause I consider them better at that than me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I was just happy to let them do whatever they wanted, you know what I mean? And, and they, they did a good job. So, uh, uh, but I've heard people called the lollipop man because a little ball was shooting up. I <laughs> wanted like some girl once used to fight me on Facebook all the time. Like I had those boards. Everyone in my town had the lollipop man. I'm going the lollipop man. I never knew it was called. I never knew it was called the angry man or the lollipop man. So. I didn't know that either. I mean, what, you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. Like he's got the one really long arm. So I, I would have called it like, Ape arm, ape arm man or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like it because it's just off the wall. I like off the wall art. I don't think, you know. Um, I think that's like, you know, like I do, do a lot of art directing and it's so tough because um, you, you're really trying to find a, a medium between what is going to fit in the brand that year and also suits the rider like yourself. Mm -hmm. and something that you're going to be like, yeah, this is cool. Something the brand's going to be like, yeah, this is cool. And then something that the consumer is going to be like, I want that. Yeah. And it's really, you're, it's finding the channel. It's the happy medium of all three. No, so it's I, very difficult. No, I, yeah, agree. So. I, mean, I, I think it's tough when, you know, skateboard companies went through this transformation from the Powell's and Santa Cruz to when that companies like mine, Acme and, and World Industries, and all these guys started were a bunch of owned by skateboarders. And everyone was so worried about trying to please the writer. They were putting out like all sorts of different graphics that did that clashed from a brand standpoint, you know, so the branding wasn't being done very well, but the graphics were being done specific to each person, which may be great from a collectible standpoint when you go 30 years later and so on and so forth, but it wasn't great from a branding standpoint, you know, um, right. and there was a lot and of, the, and then the market doesn't, the yeah, the market doesn't get it. Like you have shops that are ordering this and you're like, we'll take this, but not that. 
Yeah, no, no, no. It was funny because I'd always say that, you know, one, one guy would wake up his whole life as he was a kid and I had purple elephants on my wall. I want a purple elephant board. And one guy's like, you know, um, I always dreamed of samurais. And on the same brand, you have a samurai and a purple elephant, cartoony, and then like all, you know, 3D techie looking thing. You're like, that doesn't even look like the same brand. What are you doing, you know? Um, but the company mm. got so caught up in like, yeah, but we have to give them what they want or they might quit. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, and that was basically one of the weird changeovers from the 80s into the 90s. So um, I think it's like some brands are, are getting um, a little bit wise to that and they're actually choosing riders that have a very similar vibe, like yeah. obviously doing stuff for like Fallen, you, you can close your eyes and know what that brand's about. You know what I mean? Like same with like, if you close your eyes, you know what Zero is about. I mean, yeah. Jamie has a lot of say in what that brand looks like, but at the same time, it's not weird to picture any one of those riders wearing that stuff or riding that stuff because of what they look like and who they are already. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. I get it. You know, there, and there's all sorts of variations in between of what, what direction people decide to take with their company. You know, some people try to make it a brand and some people try to make it an image, you know, um, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes the image is hard to maintain, right? You build it all about image and writers and the writers, writers always age. None of us has more than, 10 good years of pro skateboarding. In fact, that's really long, you know what I mean? Before there's a new crew of guys coming in, you know what I mean? And, and so if you build everything around just one group of guys, then how do you transition your brand to keep going, you know? So um, mm -hmm. the way I've always personally done it is I try not to look too much to what the trends are or like what's currently happening because by the time this, this stuff comes out, it's, it's like a year, year and a half, two years down the road. So it's kind of like for, for myself, um, I just try and do what I'm personally into rather than what the, what the community is telling me I should be into. That way um, it, it's like I'm picking from my own brain and what I'm personally vibing at that time and hopefully people latch on to it. Like yeah. hopefully, I, <laughs> hopefully I'm like not well, You have to trust in your own visions. You know, yeah, um, exactly. I did better myself, even as a company owner, when the early days of Acme, when everything was my, my idea as far as advertising someone, so I said what I wanted to say, where, and when I started giving in to some pressure, like, oh, people don't like that you're poking fun of this or that, you know, I mean, like, and I'd soften up some stuff, our sales would weak, our sales would get weaker, you know, and when I freaking grabbed the freaking sword and freaking slayed and said shit I felt like saying, people were stoked and people got, you know, people had faith in you, people liked that you stood for something, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think you have to do that. You're, you're going to draw for a brand. You're going to try to get an image of a brand. You got to go with what you think is going to work. You know, the worst thing, the brands I've seen are successful. Um, we talked about zero when it, when it was at its most successful, I think they were doing what they felt like doing and it was working right when Volcom mm -hmm. was growing through the roof and you did a lot of work for Volcom too. Um, you know, they were doing what they felt like doing when they started questioning themselves even and sitting in a conference room, questioning other companies and what are they doing? And maybe we should do something like that. Then they start losing it. It's when they stop being them and start trying to be somebody else that they're totally lost, you know? So when I drew from Volcom, it was, it was a really good time where um, like they didn't, they didn't want to even show you what they had for our line. They, they wanted you just to come up with something random yeah. and, maybe it fit into their mold and maybe it didn't, but it was just like, they, they didn't want to pigeonhole their art artists at all. They wanted to be like, you go crazy. Uh, I don't know. You drop acid and go in the desert and draw some yeah. foxes on cactuses. If that's what you're into, 
you know what I mean? And, and, and go for it. You know? And their and brand was, was about being raw. It was about, I mean, we screen printed stuff for them. We screen printed all those wheat paste they put on road signs and so on. So we screen printed all their stickers so on, so on. and we would, we would know that if they sent us a wheat paste and the film burned weird or something like that, and it smudged more or something like that, they'd be like, that's fucking rad. You know, it's like, we loved it. It was a perfect customer who their rawness was real. You know what I mean? They were like, mm -hmm. no, we want it to be raw. So 50 of them look this way and 50 of them look that way, like killer. You know what I mean? Whereas other customers look, oh, dude, we can't take those. They didn't match exactly what our specification was. Or that. And part of their success is their specification was just have fun. You know what I mean? Make it fun. Make it weird. You know? And uh, I, I think that that time did it like have an impression on me a little bit. Like I just did some boards with Prime and they're all hand screened. And like, you know, like the trap, if it doesn't line up perfectly and you see a little bit of a white underbase, I was like, it looks even sicker. Actually, yeah, cool. it looks you real. You can tell it was screen. Exactly. And there's like that, those happy accidents, like you said, like that's, that's part of it. Like that makes it look real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, uh, yeah, maybe that. Go ahead. Well, I, I think that was like a clever segue, I thought, to how we met is because... Well, I was going to say the exact same thing. That's what I was going to say. We met. And <laughs> tell, tell, tell the world how we met. Um, yeah, so uh, many moons ago. How many years ago is that? I'm in like a seven or six seven or seven. years ago. That's somewhere that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing art for Volcom for, for about six years solid there. And uh, I think it was... I'm, I'm throwing this out there. I'm going to claim it. I think I was the only Canadian artist on Volcom. Now, Carolyn did like the women's design line in Whistler, but she wasn't like a, a fine artist. Like I was the only illustrator, I think, in Canada at the time. And uh, I went on a couple trips down uh, to the headquarters there with Matt French. Um, and I met you at Volcom because uh, Marty, the vision jinx, yep. who was the art director at the time was my boss and your best friend. Yeah. And you were screen printing all the Vulcan stickers and you just came in like larger than life. <laughs> I'm Jim gray. Who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we ended up being buddies. Like we went and skated the Vulcan park all day. And then we went out for tacos and tequila after. And you told me your history. <laughs> yeah. You told me your history. Yeah. Uh, Acme that I had no idea about that you owned it. And, uh, and yeah, when yeah. you walked in my office and saw the big crown, a you're like, Whoa, that was you. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Somebody was telling me the other day that they got one of your old Acme's again. And I was happy to tell them the backstory of like that image comics. Cause you told me that story and they were pretty pumped on that. So yeah. And we just became buddies ever since. Yeah. So every time yeah, I come I mean, down, I mean, we I mean, go for tacos and tequila. When people, when people are easy to deal with, it's, that's just the best way. You know, there's that, uh, I mean, Matt French is funny. That's who, you know, I met you with. And, and I, that was the first time I think I met him as well. And we, you know, um, uh, Matt and, and I are show up randomly, you know, he's crouched on my couch at my house without <laughs> warning, like, um, I'll be in town tomorrow. You know, how's the couch? You know, like, uh, Matt and I are friends for life, but we are polar opposites. Yeah. Yeah. True. He's, you guys are very different. Oh, like the, the yin and the yang, like, He's the eccentric hyper dude that like whatever. And I'm like the super mellow laid back guy. But we get along, but well, we were like, I, meet you with? I met you with one of my best friends, Jinx. Jinx is quiet. Jinx is subdued. Jinx is, you know, um, you know, he, he holds it together different. I'm like, I'm fucking loud. I, I blurt shit out at the top of my thing. He sits and thinks, he thinks I freaking 
you know, shoot off, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but our common thing is we go skateboarding and we have a great time. I totally dig his style. I, you know, he likes to skate the same, most of the same stuff I do. We always have a good time when we go somewhere, you know? Um, so I got some great travel stories about Matt French, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> we've been on, we've been on a few art trips together. <laughs> well, just like art shows, like, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Like we have shows. Yeah. Um, four Volcom. You, like Volcom fly you something? Uh, no, or no. I mean, we, we, we buddied up on hotel rooms a few times to go down to Volcom in California, but we've been to Portland for some art shows together and also Whistler for some art shows together. So some stuff outside of Volcom. Because yeah. he's from Washington, is he almost Canadian? Does he like, you know, is he like, no, we don't, we don't count him. We don't count him. We don't count him. If he doesn't cross the border, <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not legit. No. So no, tell me about, gonna, uh, about being a Canadian artist in, 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 in an American business, in an American dominated business that has been for years and, uh, and you've managed to pierce that veil. Um, it's tough. It's really tough. I mean, it's, it's not that people forget it about us up here, but we're just not in the bubble. I mean, it's, it's hard enough to run a, a skate company in Canada, never mind like be an artist to skate brands. I mean, there's some great artists that come, that live in California alone. I mean, you guys have a huge population and you're right in the hub. It's just so easy to well, it's network. I think the mingling part is part of it. You go somewhere and you run that's, into each other and you, you're shaking hands at a, you know, Shepherd Fairies gallery. That, that's huge. Kind of art show, you know. I mean, at some point I had to convince my wife that I need to go down to California because I'm going to get forgot about. Like, you know, like if I don't keep doing these trips, I'm going to be tossed to the wayside. And some of it is that, like you said, like if you're not making yourself known, if you're not meeting with these people, if you're not shaking hands and kissing babies, you are replaced in a heartbeat by some other amazing artist that's just right there. Well, that even works you know? for me. Who's in California. You have to just stay mm -hmm. seen. So I don't... I'm, you know, I'm 57 years old, dude. I'm not like 32. I don't want to go get shit faced at every art party. But I like to see the art. I like to see the people. So I'm usually the dude who sneaks in, shakes a bunch of hands, hangs out for an hour, and then disappears. You know what I mean? Because I, I'm not going to be there all night long and from the start till the last band, you know, knocks over the drum set, whatever like that. But, uh, but I like to see who shows up, like to see what's going on, like to see the artwork. Um, so yeah, being, being seen and in the mix is, is important. But I'm imagining with today's technology, I mean, like here, we're doing a, a podcast by talking from Canada to California and it's pretty seamless. The voice is going to record seamless. It's getting so much easier now. Like, I don't know how artists back in Cliver's time where you have to mail a portfolio off to a company to get a gig, how you do it. Like today, I will tell you an interesting story, how I got, like I'm doing all the illustration work for Fallen Shoes. Like, uh -huh. you knew that? Um, yeah, yeah, no, you told me. How I got that gig was I made a, a witty comment on my friend Billy Marks instagram and then fallen saw it and checked out my instagram page with my art on it and reached out to me to do one graphic for the line and then now i'm doing all the graphics i like just the, like i like the graphic and we'll see what you what's the only thing you have that you you need to realize you have ability to do production which a lot of people don't you know mm -hmm. um, uh, i mean ron cameron love him talented did my acme stuff not a great production artist a wonderful quality artist, a fine art, almost like painting, you know, that someone might pay a lot of money to hang in their New York penthouse or something like that. But um, it was very difficult to get a commitment. If he's like, I need six graphics. It was like, eh, you know, pulling teeth, like when are you going to get that? And, uh, you know, and, and 
and, and you're you're not that way. I've known you long enough to see you. You you jam shit out. I mean, you've 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 cranked on some stuff you've done for me. Um, I'm always cranking. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I well, let's talk about the change in technology, though. Because so when I started Acme, it used to really bug yeah. me that Ron didn't like to be in the office because I'm a new yeah. business owner. I'm 29, starting a skateboard company. I want to walk into the art department and just see what's going on. Not like I breathe down their neck or that. I just want to see what's going on. And Ron wanted to like sit at home on the couch and doodle. You know what I mean? And like and and his do and. I mean, heck, we literally turned some of his doodles into full-size graphics later that were, that were done. So he, he was really good at doing that, and it was probably better that he was there. But at the time, for me, I couldn't handle it. But now you have um, Zoom, FaceTime, whatever like that. You can sit and talk. You can see eyeball to eyeball. You can get a glimpse of something like that. In today's world, I'd rather not have my artist in the office with me and have one more person I have to worry about and look at. I just kind of go, this is what we need to get done. Let's check in a couple times a week. And so I like this new world of remote, you know, connection. This is my fourth Zoom meeting today. Yeah, oh really? I'm not even joking. I had, I had one this morning for my design stuff. I had one right after that with Chris Cole. I had one right after that with, with Fallen. Uh, no, and then I had one with Daxter. So this is my fifth FaceTime call today. That's crazy. I told you I remember, well, I met Chris Cole when I was actually, I think you told me he was at the barracks. You know, um, or that when you were here last time, did you go oh, with me to the barracks? Jim, are you, are you, are you getting old there? Oh, I, 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 brought I you always there, forget but... those things. Yeah. You went with me that day. You came with me. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you, cause you told me you were going. All right. So there you go. That makes sense. No, but I do forget shit like that. I really do. I, I literally, I remember things like that. But that day I met Chris Cole, I didn't you, think. You know that. that we're good friends when, when I can take a stab at the host of the show. No, I like that. That's, that's, that's a comfortable good. vibe. I've been doing that lately, admitting a lot of shit I forget. Like, I mean, I, I <laughs> I did a podcast with a kid the other day who rode for friggin' 10 brands that I was even involved in. I didn't even remember because I don't, that's not what I pay attention to. <laughs> so, but now, now that we start talking, I remember you were in town. You're going to go meet Chris Cole at the barracks. Do I want to come? I'm like, okay. So I came with you. Um, they were shooting that like uh, hair care products thing in there that day. Um, and uh, I remember just saying to Chris, Hey, yeah, we never met. I'm Jim Gray. And he's like, Oh dude, I remember Acme. And I'm like, and I was, I was all blown away by that because I didn't even think he'd know who I was, you know? Uh, because some of the yeah, he, in his era don't have never acknowledged that they even know. And you guys were practicing your gym jams on the. We did, yes. I forgot he learned. Uh, he he and him and uh, uh, who was the he other? Aired a gym jam, didn't he? Didn't he do he, like? He, well, he did. Jam? And then who else was the other kid skating there? The Aussie kid, Dane. Dane, Dane. yeah, and he was killing it. And they both did him. Yeah, so yeah, good. I was pretty impressed that day. And uh, Eric Dressen was there, and a, yeah, and, a bunch uh, of people. Who else was there? Bennett Harada, I think, was there with. Eric, yep. or something like that. Um, they hang together a lot, you know. Yeah, that was a good day. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's why I love. That. And again, again, that goes back to being here. You were out here visiting. I went with you that day. Saw a bunch of people I know. Even got connected to the um, the, the hair care guys that were there. I've met them before. You know, I mean, I've used some of their product, which is given to me by another skateboard company. And it's just all connected. There's just all these overlapping connections. And uh, see, but that that that's the beauty of, of what I do. It's like. You know, it, like you really can't complain about life when you get paid and flown around to draw. I mean, I, I've been very fortunate. Like I was flown in for fallen, you know, meetings and, uh, you know, I was staying at the owner of like reminding souls house and, you know, and it's like, you know, I do art for the barracks and it's like, so, you know, here I am having a skate day at the barracks because of all these like work meetings I'm there for, you know, it's like, it's, 
I mean, I feel every day I feel very fortunate. No, I, and I agree. And I'm, I'm glad to see you feel that way. And I definitely feel the same way. I mean, I, I always felt, you know, how lucky was I that someone freaking put my name on a skateboard and sent me money for it. I mean, how, I mean, I, I never took that for granted because there was a hundred other dudes who would have taken that in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? And guys are good and guys are like that. So it's, you have to respect what you get out of the deal and there's nothing wrong with going for it and getting the most you can, you know what I mean? And you know, but uh, uh, what does actually kill me is when people act like it's owed to them. Like they all did my time. I put it in like, dude, there's a thousand people doing their time right now. You know, like what does doing your time means work the deal, position yourself where you're at, you know, take advantage of it the best you can. But, you know, there's no guarantees, you know, but uh, you know, the way I, I kind of wake up every day looking at it is that, you know, if myself 15 years ago looked at myself now and be like, you already, you already made it, you already did it, you know? So like all the, all the things that I wanted to do, I've already done. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, you know, like even the bands that I've done art for or whatever. And I've like, it's like personal, personal checklist. You know, you've scratched those off your checklist. You, you've, you've, actually done all the things that you put in your mind to do and now everything else is just gravy you know what i mean like now you're just you know if you if you got replaced tomorrow you 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 had a great run like what what else can you want and no one owes it to any of us you know it's up to us to fight to keep our spot in there you know i mean and to be valuable to be talented to be whatever it is no one's gonna you know I mean, I'm not doing a podcast because I'm an old dude and it's going to make me a bunch of money. I'm doing it because I know a lot of people I've met over the years. So I get to have some great conversations and it keeps me in the mix. And that's really what it's all about. I know a lot of rad people. I mean, yesterday, I, I did a podcast with Wee Man, you know, and I met him in the 1980s. And I, you know, and, and I love his tacos. I love, I, I love chronic tacos. You love chronic tacos. It's awesome because he, you know, he <laughs> talks about that. You know, he owns part of the whole chain. There's like 58. Oh, I know. That's why I mentioned tacos. it. I love it. Awesome. I'm stoked for him. So, you know, we just uh, got one in Calgary uh, a couple months ago. He did say there's a couple, a couple, you know, foreign ones now. So he's getting them. You know, that's that's pretty. Yeah, cool. Just came to Canada. That's right. Well, that's that's awesome to say. He hasn't changed in the 30 years I've known him. He's the same. He's never, you know, gotten full of himself. You know, um, at least to me. And I mean, we all have our moments. We talked about fame. We talked about all that shit. And uh, um, that should, that should be a po- good podcast to hear too. So the, the thing for me is, and, and if you look at my Instagram and all that stuff, there's. It's not like much of me on there. Like, you know, obviously I posted my like magazine checkout today. So obviously it has to be a photo of me, but yeah. I very rarely try and post myself because I don't want people to latch on to me as a personality. I want people to like the art. I want, I want to stay working and, and like employers to be like, let's use this guy because we like what he's doing. Yeah. But I don't, I personally don't want to be in the limelight. Like I don't care about that. Like it's not important to me. And to me, it's not necessarily the most fun part, but I have to do it to, to stay current, to stay in this mix, to stay, because it's weird when you're on the actual skate side of it that I came from, you know, I got into the business. Um, I always say there's more people trying to take your credibility away than trying to help you build. Mm-hmm. You have to fight for it constantly, you know, so staying current, staying in the mix, you know, talking to people, doing stuff. I mean, I post a little bit of everything, family, stuff we've done, people I hang out with, whatever, just basically because I, I joke and say I'm the luckiest man in skateboarding, okay, because I got to be a little young amateur skateboarder. I got to be a pro skateboarder who had his board on a bunch of uh, skateboards. I got to work in the industry. I sold ads for Trans World, did stuff with Tracker, all that. Then I got to start a skateboard company, first as a marketing label for a few years, just having someone else make myself. Then I built a big factory. I'm actually the only pro skater that's, that I'm aware of that ever built a skateboard factory. 
you know, um, mm -hmm. and Jamie Thomas bought one from someone in Mexico. So he had one for a while. Um, but truly I, I literally got guys and built machines, built skateboard and built several million skateboards. So, I mean, like I, when you talk about having done everything in your life, I've done as much as I ever really needed to do. Did it turn out perfect financially? So on and so forth. No, you know, it's like, I freaking I lost more making skateboards than I made, you know, but I love doing it. I made good stuff. Um, it, it, you know, it's for my own pride to get to look at the wall behind me and see like all the stuff I've made or I've done. Um, it makes me super proud, but, uh, you know, it's just, I, but I've, I've had to stay in the mix. You know, that's the thing is just had, ha, had to stay in the mix or you get forgotten about, you know? So yeah. because I stay in the mix, you know, we're talking about going to the barracks and, you know, just before I, I talk to you, I talked to Eva at the barracks, you know what I mean? Because she wants some stickers and Steve Barrack oh, weird. She just emailed me yesterday. Yeah. We're also, <laughs> we're also tied together, you know, but you get forgotten about if I didn't stay tied together through all that, they'd go somewhere else. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the bottom line, the other side, we have to do good work, especially our sticker company. We have to do good work. I mean, we do Volcom and Ruka and Joker skate. I mean, just all sorts of different people, Von Zipper and big brands to, to small independent brands like black label. And we do fucking awesome and things like that, you know, and we have to do I think it good. Some of it though is, is, some of it is good work, but it's also tied together with a, a good, person behind the good work but too. Bro, like, you have to people be like dealing with you you know well, it's really I, at the end of the day i hope so because i try to be nice to people and try to be honorable and try to you know be fair and so on and so forth so i like to think you know i mean we don't we're not a big company so we don't have a bunch of sales people huge overhead so we are you know prices are usually pretty pretty fair i mean we've been both high and low you know what i mean it's like um but we're usually pretty in the middle but yeah um, like I prefer doing business with skaters you know what i mean for sure if i can find a skater who does something i'd rather do business with the skater than someone who doesn't skate that makes me feel more real in skateboarding um so yeah i'm fortunate i take it and i try to take advantage of that but staying in the mix is part of what makes that work you know posting stuff on totally. instagram is where i get half my messages like the people see stuff you posted and they'll write me a note like hey we have a shop here can you do stickers for us and that's where it comes i mean for me and the whole instagram thing it's like i think people slowly are starting to realize that i've the guy behind the guy behind the guy for the last decade you know like People are like, oh, you drew that. I'm like, yeah, that was me. You know what I mean? But it's like, it doesn't matter because that graphic sold out six years ago and people liked but still, it. When you do a, there's only some graphics are iconic. So when you do a graphic, someone iconically remembers, that was a great piece of graphic. There's lots of art. I've had hundreds of t-shirts and so on. So there's only 10 out of 100 of those shirts that I get that I would go, oh, dude, I don't ever want to throw this shirt away because I love how this art. Like, and I think you tend to do that stuff. You know, I mean, that's just me giving well, you props because that's I a think, huge compliment. Thank you. Well, no, I mean, and you, cause it's good. I mean, the, the, you've done a handful of things for me and all of them have been epic. You know, um, you know, you did a PowerFlex logo for me, the freaking hippie dude. I mean, it's like you nailed it. It's killer. I mean, people see that shirt like, dude, I want that. It's so cool. You know, um, you know, my, my little drawing of me and my, who the hell are you thinking? It's like, I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty timeless, you know? And, um, and thank well, you. I, you know what the thing is? I think, the part of it that's like, and then this is like exactly like skateboarding. I think most skaters can relate to this. I mean, being um, successful in art and like being good at art isn't about being good at drawing. It's like, um, it's kind of like borderline uh, obsessive compulsive, you know, like whether I was being paid to draw three, four graphics a night on my sketchbook, I would still do it yeah. regardless of yeah. being paid or not. You're an artist. And, uh, what comes out of you. Oh man, like you, you just can't stop it. And it's like, you can't turn it on or off. Like, you know, we went on a family, family trip camping for 
four days and I brought my sketchbook. My wife's like, can you put it down, please? <laughs> you know, like turn it off. And I'm like, I can't, yeah. you know, like this is That's pretty funny. You know, it's just who you are. It's who you are. And it's like, I've had to explain a few times, like younger generations, you know, I'm 42, like the guy that's come out of art school now, like legitimately, like it's 22, 24 or whatever. They're like, Oh, I want to be where you're at. I'm like, how do I be successful in under five years? You know? And it's like, you don't get it. You know, it's like, don't, you can't look at it that way. You gotta, you gotta do you, like you gotta work on your craft. You gotta enjoy what you do. You gotta draw. You might have to work at Wendy's for 10 years and draw on the side and throw it out there to grassroots companies and hope something sticks and maybe yeah. it does and maybe it doesn't. Maybe you get better over time, you know? I'm but not, you're not doing it yeah. for the overnight success. You're doing it because yeah. you, you, you want to do it. You're doing it because- And for every it. one guy who makes it to where you are, there's 500 or 1,000 trying that don't even understand why totally. they can't get there, you know? So totally. imagine if every skateboarder went into skateboarding hoping to go pro and if they don't pro, they're going to quit. Well, and yeah. I had to, you know what I hate to say? That truly is probably the number one thing that makes a lot of kids stop because that there, there's so much hype driven and kids think they have a fantasy of growing pro. We sell them everything mm -hmm. about pro. Everything's about being a pro skater, doing what the pros do, you know. Uh, and then a lot of kids, I think, when they realize they're never going to get there, they do stop skateboarding. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, yeah. But that's the industry's fault. The industry lures them along. The industry dangles that in. And the industry, the industry fails to tell them that skateboarding is about the movement of riding a skateboard. Enjoy it. No, no, no. Skateboarding is about, like, you'll be cooler if you ride our brand and you'll do rad things. You know what I mean? Like, and they just, it's more, it's all about the bait and sell more than the, like, hey, skateboarding's bitching. Come join us. It's fun. You know what I mean? It's like, so a lot of people, once they're five, six years into skateboarding, they haven't been spending five and six years just having a great time. They've been spending five and six years trying to be really cool and get better. And then one day they realize they can't and they just stop. You know what I mean? And it's a sad totally. thing. And, and, and it's the same thing for art as it is for skating where it's like, okay, now everyone's gotten better because of technology, whether it be a computer or better crafted skateboards or whatever, or like how we've learned how to do things. Like we're like more on top of our learning curve. So now you have a crop of way better artists and there's a billion of them. You have a crop of way better skaters and there's a billion of them. And so nobody's really standing out like they did back in the day. Like you have an artist like Sean Cliver, like, Mark McKee, like, you know, like Jimbo Phillips, Jim Phillips as well. Yeah. All, the, all those yeah. classic artists, you know, VCJ. And man, did they stand out? They could have any job they wanted. They could walk in to be like, hey, I'm VCJ, you're hired. You know what I mean? Just because of who, like, they stand out on a level of that's above anybody. And it's the same thing of like the, the 80s and 90s skateboarding. You have somebody like Tony Hawk, Caballero, whoever, you know? And of course, they're going to stand out because. It was just easier. And now like it was. there was less people, you know, there were definitely yeah. less people. They weren't, they weren't as cluttered, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, no, they were able to stand out for sure. I mean, those guys were iconic for their time. Did I ever get, did I ever tell you that I got to introduce VCJ and Jim Phillips? They had never met each other. You did tell me that story. Okay. Actually. It was just it was so crazy. That Volcom, Volk comics art show they had at their, at their thing. And I don't know somehow I, I met Jim Phillips and just, you know, basically said, Hey, love your work. You know, Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And, and then said, you know, if, you know, have you met, do you and VCJ know each other? You know, you guys are both here. You guys are both the kind of maybe two greatest iconic skateboard guys from the, 
you know, the 80s era or like that. And he said, um, yeah, no, I've never met him. So I freaking grabbed him and walked him over and introduced him. And, that, and as a skateboarder, that was like to me, like, yeah, I got to like freaking watch these two say hi to each other for the first time, you know. Um, the, day, the days before Zoom. <laughs> it wasn't. It was live. I actually, you know, walked away in, in a store on the. Call you on your landline and yeah. talk talk for a while. <laughs> oh, I could tell the rotary phone. Forever. You know, the first fax machine I bought was twenty three hundred dollars, um, and and it was. Yeah, I believe. We, you know how much it, they cost normally? Three thousand. We bought thirteen yeah. fax machines through through me and Larry Balma arranged the deal for a Tracker Transworld got one I got one the printer got one Skates on Hate Up in San Francisco got one we got a bunch of people to get on it um, and I went to the Rico sales rep I met a girl who worked the Rico thing and they were three thousand dollars retail and we paid twenty three hundred dollars for these thermal paper fax machines that you <laughs> still, had to, still had to copy what came off of it or is, or it turned black on you in like two weeks. Um, well, I just put out a art on a cassette tape uh, this week because the retro is back in a hard way. Some of the kids tape, do, like, never even seen like a cassette Like a SideQuest or something like that or a zip drive? What? Uh. <laughs> no, it's just uh, like it was an album art, but uh, they did a limited run on cassette tape. Oh, so you had to make art like, for a cassette. Yeah. Oh, that's classic. So, so, so it was just like a collector's item, you know, like they made 250 of these cassette tapes. And I'm sure... Some there's some kids out there that's never even seen a cassette. But. Well, and now there's you know I mean pol kids have Polaroids. My daughter bought like a Polaroid-ish camera that came out a couple of years ago, and because it's the fascination of watching a picture come out right away, you know, in an era of take it, it sits on your phone forever and you never print one, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. and then seeing that albums made a comeback and people actually want to play vinyl and record players are selling and you know um, I think each generation. I'm all about vinyl. I still play vinyl every day. That's what I that's what I listen to. Yeah. And kids, kids, kids figured that out. Yeah, you could probably figure that out. I mean, I, I, I collect 80s skateboards and listen to vinyl. Like, it's, I, I play into all the stereotypes. I also don't eat red meat. <laughs> I eat everything you think about that. I actually do prefer veg, veg, vegetarian slash even vegan stuff. I like it. I feel better after I eat it, but I've never been committed enough to do it. Um, mm. But uh, I do. I like to just play into all the stereotypes, you know, all the artist stereotypes. We're only black. Don't eat red meat. Listen to vinyl. I should start getting a little like a little beret or chapeau. <laughs> Trying to fit in every stereotype. I've always wanted to dress every skate stereotype there is and just take a picture just for fun. You know, get a chain, get a chain wallet, some some dickies, and uh, you know, uh, it's just it's just funny. I've 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 always been floating to my the own. Fa that, that fashion's all coming back though. Like. I'm waiting for like the MC Hammer pants to come back next year. Oh yeah, they're they're starting. I've seen them on like uh, I've seen them seen them on more girls than anything wearing baggy '90s pants. But uh, uh, God, With, like the skate vibe has gone full '90s this year. Well, the last couple of years. <laughs> so tell so tell people how they check out your stuff. Tell tell them your Instagram handle and. Um, it's pretty easy. I, ch I don't like to get too flashy with things. Like my Instagram is just my name, Mark underscore Kowalczyk. Um, that's KO website is Mark Kowalczyk. You know, it's, it, it, I mean, the, the website and stuff, I don't really update that much because most of the work I do is like pretty steady. I'm not really even looking for other client stuff right now, but the Instagram is, is the thing I update the most. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, I'm sure some people will check that out. Um, people Thank will you. wonder, you know, uh, you know, they need to see the work of the guy who created the amazing name for the show. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, what do you do after that? I mean, is life almost complete? Well, I mean, does that, does that mean I retire after this then? Or? You know, 
Yeah. I mean, I've done that it all, right? Kind of go, I'm all. Mark Kowalczyk. Who the hell are you? You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I know. we'll put it this way. You can retire whenever you want if you can somehow feed yourself. You know, I'd love to retire too. I'd love to, uh, um, actually, I'd love to do a podcast. I'm podcast all day long. I'm not going to actually work. You know, there's no, <laughs> no work, but, you know, unfortunately, I still have bills to pay. So I got a lot of 649 tickets on the fridge right now. I think I'm pretty good. What's a 649? Oh, yeah. You, I guess that's a lot of tickets. Not a lot of tickets. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 yeah here it's like, sorry. I was a Canadian reference. That was just over your head. Yeah. You know, you, you Canadians, you know, <laughs> eh? Like, you got a beer and a freaking flag. We got our own language up here. You don't even know. <laughs> Talk some Canadian to us now. You know what the funny thing is? Is you know what kind of messes me up? And this is, this is an honest thing. Is that I have to adapt myself to the States to be understood. So, basically, I send out about a bunch of emails to clients every day. They're all California-based. And I have to change the way I write things and word things just so I don't look like I'm simple because, you know, obviously, you know, the Canadian spelling of, you know, color, O-U-R, neighbor, O-U-R. Yeah, People don't mean, realize yeah. that we, it's, we spell right. things You mean that's proper and we botched it, you know, and that's, so. I, mean, I, mean, I don't want to say anything about that. I'll well, the English language comes from England, <laughs> not us, even though we, we beat them up and took our country from them. It still comes from them and they use O-U-R and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to have to say that's probably proper English and we botched it. So. I'll give you that. That's one even when it comes zero. to like metric and metric versus, you know, like, yeah, like who would want to go one to 10, 10 to a hundred, 10 to a thousand when you could go like 12, 36, um, you know, 600 acres is a, I mean, whatever. It's like, the, why would anyone? So I, literally, I literally changed my writing style. I literally changed my writing style when I'm emailing American clients, just so I don't look like I'm crazy because I, I like auto like correct to the American spellings. I actually use like, you know, like I don't put things in kilometers. I put them in, you know, you know so when you're like you talking to Siri and sending a text to someone in America and you say like, I'm going out in a boot, you know what I mean? Do they, does it under, how does it spell it? I mean, does it like, does it, does your Canadian Siri understand that that's out and about? You South, know? Park, South Park is rotting people's brains. I mean, I love South Park. I'm not going to diss South Park, but like, I think that like out, out in the boot is like them trying to imitate east coast canadians maybe See, canada I have a a, I, i've only watched south park a few times in my life so i guess i never okay so can, like you know canada is a big country right like yeah. it's a huge country so imagine like we came out with a, a comedy that talked like gave everyone in the states boston accents you know what well, i mean totally no i totally get it <laughs> because we have saturday night live here and they have like a segment called the californians and they sit there oh like, yeah i love oh, it that's our favorite pico boulevard that's <laughs> hilarious and we all know california that talk that way, but that's not how I talk. But I mean, I, it's <laughs> hilarious to hear it because you do reference someone you know. I mean, I'll give you a Canadian yeah, yeah. story. When I went to the World's Fair in Canada in 1986 in Vancouver, um, about the at back at that time, the only reference I really had from Canada um, was what I would see on Saturday Night Live. And there was well, there's two characters, uh, Bill and Ted. Or I forget what the hell they were called, but they they both wore they wore um, flannels. They had a beer, and they just said oh, hey uh, all times. Um, Doug McKenzie, Bill and Doug McKenzie. Bill and Doug. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. And so, so I'm literally going to Vancouver thinking I'm going to see a bunch of dudes in flannels like, hey, what up, hey, you know? And then I get there and I go, fuck, this city's more cosmopolitan than fucking Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Because Vancouver was very I modern, mean, clean. We know? do love plaid up here. I will say that's not a huge stretch. But I, but I, yeah, I wasn't inundated with it the way I thought I was going to be. So that was, a, that was my great surprise wake up from 
from Canada in 1986 that it wasn't filled with people in flannels walking around going, hey, what up, eh? You know, Can I uh, one say one thing about, like, I feel like California does trendset off of what we're doing in Canada a little bit, only because, only because if you think about how cold it is in Canada and how we have to, like, wear so many layers, I feel like people like the look of wearing layers so like wearing a flannel shirt over like whatever like black I mean, it could factor into it to be honest i think a lot of the flannels here came from cholos that was a cholo gang vibe okay that was the look okay. the white shirt flannel and that kind of spilled into skateboarding and like hey i want to be cool i want to look like a cholo vato you know and uh and that's where i think it came from but uh okay. you know um but who knows you know yeah, I'm just saying like the whole layering, like wearing jackets with the shirt underneath or like just like layering up where it's like, you know, like Cal- I feel like Californians, you know, you're like, when I look at it, like, well, man, it's really hot there. Why are they wearing so many layers? You know what I mean? But I feel like it's almost the Canadian vibe because we have to wear layers. Because I'm about to be Canadian for the next couple of days. So I actually went to the, uh, the uh, what do you call them, the dermatologist today. And they, okay. they burn all the little sunspots off that could become cancers or like that. So, so I got my arm all burned today and now I have to wear long sleeves for a couple of days. So that's going to be very awkward in California. Like, like I'm wearing a long sleeve right now. Exactly. Normally I couldn't, <laughs> the thought of wearing a long sleeve just freaks me out. Um, especially this time of year. But, uh, I mean, you're, I mean, in a sense, again, I'm, I've only seen it snow like two or three times in my whole life. So which well, is let me crazy. tell you, it's, uh, it's getting pretty fall like right now. Here. it's not that warm today it's supposed to be 27 on friday but it's i think it's only 16 degrees celsius here right now which is it's the 16 not very warm or something like that 65 60 yeah it's zero it's what 1.8 is that what it is 1.8 to uh a... see this is this is this is what i always have to do if i said an email they think i say 16 degrees celsius or i say hey it's 16 degrees they think we're in like iceland or something yeah no, I, I know the difference, <laughs> but, I, but I have to remember those things. I, I believe it's 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit for every Celsius. So I have to go 16 times 1.8 and add it to 32. And I'm figuring that's like 68 or something like that if I do it super quickly without... That sounds right. Later, but yeah. In the 60s for sure. It's not yeah. very warm. Yeah, and believe yeah. me, as an American, I'll be the first to, um, to completely admit that we are a very stubborn, foolhardy country not to oh no, that's not what i'm not trying to, to say, I'm to say when no, you... but i'm saying that you don't have to say it i'm saying it we should be in the metric system the metric mm-hmm. system is a more logical system you know i mean it's a, a milliliter a liter uh, you know it's like it, it's i mean when everything is divided by 10 it just makes a lot of sense you know um well let's just say every time i come down there and rent a car it really f's me up like driving in miles and i'm like i feel like i'm doing something wrong you know and i would be the same but i would i i think we would be able to adapt because it does make a lot more sense you know kilometers just make it makes sense literally because of the the simple the way it's organized i mean a foot was a fucking king's foot in england for a thousand years ago but i write that and then three of them <laughs> the yard i mean let's make a random a random thing and call it a yard you know and uh okay. I mean, it's just it's it's a little bit ludicrous to think that that's what we've, that what we've used is everything i'm not quite sure about the fahrenheit and celsius i think it's two different people that came up with this with a temperature measuring scale um, and you know, whatever that, that is what it is. I mean, just the same as, you know, someone speaks Chinese and someone speaks English, you know, languages were developed differently in different areas. But, uh, but when one system so clearly 
makes more sense than the other. Uh, you'd think the world would want to be on the same system so we could share everything, you know. I still remember the first time I came to San Diego and uh, stayed at Mission Beach there, Pacific Beach or whatever it's called. And um, I went into the liquor store and I was like, it was the most disjointed conversation ever because I was like, can I please have the two six of rum, a 26er, you know? And he's like, what is that? I don't know what you guys call it, a quart, ounce, pint, I don't know what it is, but, and I pointed at it and then- Quart, a fifth, was, a half gallon, you know? Uh, I don't know. And- You might not um, want to admit then, that and acknowledge your alcohol problem here, like live. <laughs> for See, if I did know, I would, I, would, I would be admitting that, yeah. But so then, um, so then I was like, okay, well then what do you call that one? And I can't, I think you call it a pint. And then I was like, okay, well we call that a Mickey. And he was like, oh, you're like old English or something. And then we had this whole conversation and it was just like, nothing was lying up. Like yeah. I was just like, and I just, I would, I it came down to like pointing at stuff. Like, can I have that? You know? Cause it was just like, and I didn't know what he was differently different for everyone. I, to me, that's just ignorance. A guy who works in a liquor store should understand the difference between a pint, a liter, a two liter, a 32 ounce, a quart. I mean, like, it's not that difficult. We're talking like 10 different things you have to know in your whole life and to be. To I be don't think he gets many Canadians in there. I just, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> it's, it's not the only like, people. And you talk about Mission Beach or that, that's tourist town. You don't think people are coming from the Netherlands and Germany and Switzerland and France and like constantly coming in, buying things while on vacation. You know, you think mm -hmm. that over time, the guy would kind of come to understand that a, that a liter, I mean, even I know a liter is like 33 point something ounces and, and we'd call it a quartz, 32 ounce. I mean, it's like they're, they're close, but uh, you know, I, I'd much rather switch to, you know, liters and milliliters. To be okay. Honest. So oh, I think what's the one, what's the one smaller than the 32? Cause ours is 26 ounce, which is the smaller, the medium sized bottle. Um, well, typically we have like a can, a typical can here is 12 ounces. Uh, uh, a little next level up of a can is 16 ounces. Then you get like a 20, a 20 ouncer or a, or a 40 is so that's where we screw ounce. things up. Cause our cans are it, like that too. Like we have like the typical, like when you go to the like bar or whatever, yeah. you get like a full pint is I think 18 to 20 ounces in Canada. A sleeve is 16 ounces and a half sleeve is yeah, Well, a pint 14. by the R standard here, a pint is 16 ounces. A quart oh, is, you need to come to Canada. It's bigger up here. Yeah. A quart is 32 ounces. You know, um, I, I believe uh, the half gallon is, is that 64, 128? I don't know. I forget. <laughs> Isn't it awesome how we were talking about skateboarding, but now we're talking about the metric system? Well, we're talking about life. You're in Canada. I'm in America. We're trying to talk about things that we deal with. You know, fuck all these people. I mean, there's only three people who are going to listen to this anyways, you know. Uh, your 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 wife, you know, um, Coco, my dog. Oh, what are you kidding? My wife's not listening to this. Oh she yeah, knows everything funny. I walked next door to the sticker slaves, and John John was listening to. It's called World's Greatest Dad. Two guys that both used to work for me, Jimmy Oregi oh, yeah. and Christian Jacobs, and they have a new podcast. They're driving around. I'm like, yeah, you're listening to your podcast. You ever listen to any of mine? He's like, no. I go, okay, cool. There we go. Um, <laughs> so I think today he might be listening to one of mine just out of guilt. That uh, I, I've listened to a few of your podcasts. I, I would definitely listen to the Tori and Daywan one for sure. I'm that. getting better. I used to be really, I used to really interrupt and really, and I still do. But I mean, um, 
I'm learning how to let people talk because I used to get excited. I get excited when I'm in conversation and I, and I freaking get going and I, and I forget what I'm going to ask if I don't say it now. So I say it now and unfortunately cut someone off. And, um, but I've, uh, I've been getting better. I've actually been, you know, trying to mm-hmm. let, people, let people talk. I mean, obviously it's my show. I, I get enough airtime. Should I show another piece of art? Is there going to be like a clip of something? Yeah, I'll, I'll edit some of this and I'll post it when I, at least when I do my Instagram uh, uh, little promo Cause thing. Because I did uh, smatter my little uh, art studio here with some stuff that can show. So it, you do that? Here it, it looks like you're in the garage. Yeah, so. Uh, well, no, my basement is gutted, which okay, I mean, so the if, basement. If you're an art, yeah, if you're, if you're an artist, you really, I mean, gutted basement, it's like, these knees i mean you're gonna you don't want some you don't want nice if you're doing art because you get paint on something that's ruined you know what i mean like you you want bare bones like it's heated that's all that's all i care about it's the bee's knees now we could have a whole podcast on the term the bee's knees so, but this is this is how the things have changed this is normally just my art studio and things have had to been sort of rejangled so now i i also my design studio is in my art studio now too yeah. so I'm kind of working from home since COVID. Cool. Well, let's dig some art out because remember I told you uh, both of us were cheap. We both have the free version of Zoom. So at, at some point it's going to tell me you have two minutes left uh, or, <laughs> or you have to subscribe. Well, I, did, I did tell Don Brown that I would show these uh, uh, S shoes that I did the art for. Nice. The uh, skate rat on the heel there. Very, very so cool. I like the, I like the square skateboard. That's, you know. Yeah, he's he's skating a piece of wood there, basically. I like the color uh, of those. Well, it's year of the rat this year, so that's why it's the Chinese oh, cool. rat and the yeah the rat. Those guys um, used to give me shoes. They don't anymore. They don't like me, but that's all different issue. Don Don actually, I told Don that I was going on this. He said to say hi to you. I love ways. Don. I do love Don. Don Don. <laughs> Don Don is one of the good guys in skateboarding, but I will give him shit, and he'll give me shit right back. So <laughs> I do have these. Uh, shoes that I did live time lapse for Fallen. It seems like I'm doing a lot of shoes these days. I don't know. Shoe yeah. companies love them. That's awesome. Those look good. And I like, uh, I've seen a couple of your time lapse. Remember the first one I, I saw you painted like almost like a space thing on a store wall and you time lapsed it. Um, the Vulcan one? I think it was the Vulcan one. Yeah, that's Vulcan. So this is, you know, this is the Chris Cole view. Now those are, are you designing the shoe itself? Are you designing the angles and the, um, um, no, no, I just, anything that goes on the sheet, like the illustration work, I don't, I don't okay, actually, so you're putting logos on color, like color option, things like that, or I do have a good, I have a say in that stuff. They yeah. do show me okay. stuff and ask me, I mean, I, like it. What, I mean, with Fallen, it's been pretty fun because it's such a small, like a small family brand that, um, they do ask me opinions on such things, even though I like, that's kind of outside of my job spec with them. Like my job is to do anything that's hand drawn or drawn and illustration wise, mm-hmm. but they do respect my opinions on that stuff. So they do ask me like what I think of this colorway or what, what I do and this and that. But yeah, no, I, it's not really like, that's not really my job title there. Well, what a lot of people uh, don't realize who don't either work in any business involving art or our business or like that, um, explain to someone like the various ways you'll give someone art. A lot of people just think they send you like a JPEG from a photo and you can do anything you want with it. They don't know what vector art is, that it's scalable, it's in large. Do you take, do you take most, most of your art and you pencil it and then you, then you scan it? Uh, yeah, like and basically the way I work is I will, um, 
I, I kind of like have many versions of my same art. So basically what I'll do is I'll like pencil sketch it in my sketchbook and come up with the idea. And then, so say the idea is kind of like three quarters formed. I'll draw it again in rough, but like a better version of the rough. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then what I do is like, once I have that down, I will like literally trace my own art on a light table to clean it up. So there's like, I'll get rid of all the pencil sketch and yeah. just make the line smoother. So a lot of the times I like, I'll draw on this vellum. This is RDF or dragon. I'll draw on vellum. And then, so as you can see, this specific work is pieced out um, because I'll like move the layout on the computer. And so this logo I'll put in the pyramids, but I get it. I get it. I, I can kind of like piece puzzle it together. But so you'll scan those and streamline them. So they become vector. Um, it depends on the pro the project for stuff. That's like, you know, like, um, shirt designs for sure, you know, but if it's, if it's a, a skateboard or if it's album art or whatever, um, for the most part, it doesn't need to be vectorized. Some of that stuff is just like, most skateboards are done heat transfer. You can yeah. just- So you make it large it enough so it can be a high dots per inch DPI is what, you know, some people don't even know what that means, but uh, so that it can output. Yeah. yeah. You have to have it at the right output settings for it being high, like high res, but that's about it. I mean, these decks that we did with Prime and the barracks that are coming out on Friday, um, they're all hand screened. So I had to do it all the old school methods. So I separated, separated, trapped, and so I even on, so separated forth. the screens for them, put the traps on it, the whole bit. Yeah. We'd have a real, it's a real bitch. I mean, like, it, it makes you really appreciate how skate art was done back then. I mean, I just 14 like, and 16 color graphics and stuff for like alien workshop. And literally we had to do all the traps and all the films and, and we'd print, you know, 1500 boards, 16 colors on them, one color at a time, you know, and that was a yeah. process. That was 20 guys in a screen shop, just cranking color one and, and start drying, start cranking color two. And, you know, it just, it was, it was crazy. What, uh, what that process. Yeah, well, was. these, the, yeah, these boards are like 10 color over 10 color and we got it down to, it color including the under white underbase with like a half tone yeah. like two half tones so it was it it was tedious yeah. Yeah. i mean <laughs> i always talk I about mean, art and how it gets done because i find so many people because we get a lot of people who want to do stickers from us and they don't understand art whatsoever so they send us the littlest picture they have of something and say can you make this into a sticker we're like yeah if you want it to be an inch tall um a lot of people don't realize if something is not vector which means it's not growable in, in scale for the most part. Um, if it's 300 DPI and it's three inches by three inches, if you make it six inches by six inches, it's going to be 150 DPI. You know, I mean, it, like it, it, you can't make it become, and some people just don't understand that. It's, uh, it, it's been very frustrating over the years how many people would think like, what's wrong with you idiots? Like, well, no, we've done thousands of products. We know how it works. And people will just argue with you like, but, but my guy could put it on a coffee mug. It's like, well, because a coffee mug's three inches tall and, you know, uh, and now you want it on a skateboard and it will, it will look like a fuzzy piece of crap if you try to enlarge it that much. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Bit. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the, like there's a misunderstanding with like just like scanning art and being like, there you go. You know? And it's like, for me, I was somewhat lucky when I finished fine art school, I went to university for fine art and I, I majored in silk screening, believe it or not. And I also majored in uh, life drawing and all those fun stuff. And then I, like my, I grew up in a family of, of, of teachers and most of my 
friends in that class decided they were going to go to teacher's college to teach art. And I just, I didn't want to go that route because it was just like, I grew up in this household of teachers and I just didn't want to be a teacher. Like I just, that was just like, you just don't want to do what your parents did. You just want to do something else. And so at the time, like graphic design, I know this sounds like super crazy to say, but graphic design was taking off. Like keep in mind, this was like, 20 plus years ago. I totally get it. Oh, there yeah. was definitely a boom. Yeah. I mean, it became, it was a, it be a, a huge boom class in school. Now it became a major part of, of schools to have marketing departments, art departments, graphic design departments. Uh, you know, even when I, I was in, I was in the boom. Like I was like, when, when I finished fine art school, graphic design was taken off at like, you could be a graphic designer, work for marketing you know, like you're like the Wolf of Wall Street of like art, you know, like whatever, you know? And, and so everybody wanted to be graphic designers. I mean, it was natural. It was like, like a, this new thing, you know? And I moved to Toronto and uh, took up uh, graphic design and like, just remember like I had like the old like Mac tank. Like when, when was that? Was, what year was that? Oh God, you're making me do math again. I'm guessing just approximate. I'm, well, I mean, it's for a reason I'm asking because I, you know, um, I'll let you think about that while I talk, okay? And if it comes to your head, you tell me. But so okay. I started Acme in 91. So in about 93, 94, we started doing some of that stuff with Image Comics, okay? Um, J- Jason Irwin, who later became Acme's art director, he worked at Image Comics. Is actually his cousin was married to Rob Liefeld, the guy who ran the place. Um, but what set Image Comics about an Extreme Studios where he did their division apart from like Marvel and all those, those guys were still doing mostly like flat cartoon comic style and Jason had just graduated college in graphic arts. So, mm-hmm. so it was, and, and so were all the guys he's hiring. So they were life and those guys were penciling and then, and, and sketches and then someone would ink them and they'd scan them. And then they'd hand them to these guys where Jason worked and these guys were doing shading that had never been seen before and, and, and Photoshop layers and the way the coloring was done. And it was just su- super, super vibrant, super detailed, you know, and those were all those, those young graphic arts, you know, kids being trained on Photoshop in school in the early nineties, you know, and it was still, I think in its infancy. So I'm assuming your result, yours was a little later than that. A little, yeah, I would have been the next gen of that. So yeah. I would have been because I graduated high school in like 94 or 96. Yeah. So I'm thinking it was probably late nineties, but, but, but in grade 12 or 13, back when they still had grade 12 or 13, I did a co-op placement doing a graphic design because I knew I was kind of headed that way. So in like 94, 96, I was doing a graphic design co-op placement and that was back uh, doing uh, shirt designs. And we did everything straight to film and doing Ruby lith and all those old school methods, which is by, you know how like using Ruby lith and that's how we started. That's when Acme started and our stickers and first Volcom stickers we always got were um, we'd literally shoot a negative. If I had to do that as a day job now, I would just shoot myself in the head or quit because it's just, it's just so brutal. Like you, like back then that's all anybody knew. So that was like the norm, but by today, I've seen lots of guys cut five layers of Ruby for a skateboard and it was pretty, pretty crazy. I think Matt's French is still doing that. <laughs> we love you, Matt French. Um, I love you, Matt French. I love your 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 commitment to not using computers. <laughs> yeah, we we all know yeah. people that way for sure. So what's uh, what's next for you? What's uh, like what just 
Well, I got to pick my kid up at four thirty from daycare. Is that is that count? That that does count. It's count. You <laughs> have, you have, you you have a child. I think it's been fun watching you have a child. It changes your life. I, it changes your. I perspective. think that has been a huge turning point for me. Like my kid is he turns three this year, this year this month, and uh, it's it's changed me. It has. I mean, having a kid changes you for sure. You know, people, I have, I have you can't really kids. describe describe it to anybody that doesn't have a kid. Really, like. I mean, I, I love just drawing little stuff and putting it in his room, really. And he watches me draw stuff, and he gets hyped on it. And it's like I don't push it on him, but he picks up he picks up his markers and starts drawing too. Because I mean, like if you think about it, like for him, he just sees dad sitting around drawing all day. He just thinks that's what people do. Like yeah, for sure, you, you know what I mean? Like that's normal life, right? Like that's what people do. That's what we do. You know, so Kid, kids. I used to think my kids wouldn't know what. I used to worry that they wouldn't know what working for someone was like. Cause you know, my, my, you know, ex ex wife, you know, the hair salon, I own this skateboard factory. They jumped around on forklifts. They crawled around on pallet rack. They, they, they went to offices, grabbed computers. And, you know, and I think they ever really realized that not everybody who worked there got to just have their kids roam free all day long, <laughs> you know, and I was pretty easy going. Some people did bring a kid now and then, but uh, uh, so I used to always worry that they were going to get a confused sense of how the world works. You know, it's like, um, because they, yeah. you know, dad, dad never went to a real job that they saw, you know, and um, yeah, I know. I sometimes I know that the conversations coming that it's like dad sitting around drawing all day. It's dad is actually working, yeah. you know, like. But that conversation's down the road still. I mean, it's well, kind yeah, of well, you got some fun. time. Yeah, <laughs> he he likes bunnies a lot and gets me to draw bunnies in the sidewalk and chalks. Or we look like the crazy house because the entire neighborhood is covered in bunnies right now. But pretty funny yeah huh? yeah i you know my, my bunny looks like the old school pop or bunny i just draw like that style of bunny from all the time you know i love and that. i think that like in the back of my mind it's because i used to buy pop or so that i just draw pop or bunnies cool pop or they were cool guys yeah i think it was it was an a-team and the whole there's a whole story there yeah, and then it got bought and it kind of blew up. There was all sorts of stuff that happened there, but they, uh, yeah, you know, it was mm. it was all started out through Paul Schmidt and that whole crew and giant distribution, and it it drifted off from there. So mm. I know, probably. but yeah, no, being being a dad is is interesting. I mean, it also makes you hustle harder, work harder too, because I mean, you you're not just like feeding yourself anymore. You know, you you know, I've got a the more the more success I do in art. It really just benefits my child, so it it definitely makes me work harder. You so know, where does skateboarding is, fit in? Well, this is, is this supposed to be a skateboarding podcast because you're a skateboarder, so that means you qualify and work. It's so funny because I I feel like we haven't really talked much about skateboarding because yeah. I feel like anybody that actually knows me knows like I'm a skater through and through. Like and so am I, and I know you are. So I don't think about it. Yeah, so it's funny. I, I always feel like I don't need to talk about that side about me, but yeah, I, I, people that don't know me like. I mean, you know, they don't know that at 42, I'm still out there skating like like a crazy guy. Yeah. But um, so for those of you who don't know, Mark rides a skateboard and he draws. Yeah, there you go. And he has a kid now. Yeah. And a wife that doesn't like when he draws on vacation. So yeah, these are all logical things. So you know? yeah, so my kids into skating too. Like I'm I'm trying not to be the parent that pushes my personal interests on my kid, but I mean, I I think it's just like natural for them to see what you're doing and just be into it because they want to do what you're doing. So yeah, he does have, he's got a little Santa Cruz uh, SpongeBob board that he like sits on and pushes himself around. Nice, nice people at uh, 
center distribution, mail them that as a Christmas present. So cool. Well, let's talk about that real quick. Let's just start throwing, yeah, start dropping some names. You've done stuff for all sorts of people, Santa Cruz, uh, snowboard yeah. people. I mean, tell me, tell me just everything. That well, I mean, I think, I think I want to, I think I want to talk about this. Like I, I feel like the last 20 years of my art uh, for a long, long time, people thought of me as a snowboard artist because being up in Canada, I did all these major brands, like every major brand of snowboarding. I, I worked with them, you know, Union yeah. Binds, whatever. You worked, yes, at a, you worked at a resort too. So, or, yeah, like every, every, if you think of a snowboard brand, I've worked with them. You know, I've even done some back-end stuff for Bird. I've done some, uh, I've done some stuff, uh, back-end stuff for Murder, which is LibTech and stuff. I've done every, every brand under the sun for snowboarding, right? And so it kind of, it kind of bugged me. Not that I dislike snowboarding. I love snowboarding. It's like I, I'm a snowboarder, but I, you know, growing up, being a, a core skater my entire life, I got into snowboarding when I was young because of skateboarding. Sure. So I really focused the last um, 10 years of like, improving my skate portfolio. You know, like I had my own skate company, which made things easier to show off my art on a skateboard, you know, but I really wanted to be more in the scene of, of skating. And I think a huge turning point for me was uh, getting featured in Thrasher. I don't know a few years back or three and like before, I, think I remember yeah i don't even remember i don't even know what day it is but um i think that was like it, it finally was you know like the skate industry was giving me some uh credit yeah and then after that i got featured like uh barra who's a buddy of mine featured me on the barracks a few times for art and like so if people were slowly starting to accept me as a skate artist and you know and i think that was a big turning point for me whereas like i mean you know where i am now i'm doing like tons of skate brand stuff but yeah yeah um, tell us I about some of that because some people again some people don't know you or we're introducing you to people that may not know you to talk about some of the sure. skate brand stuff you do you're doing fallen shoes right now um, yeah you've done stuff I, for me at powerflex simple stuff did some cool logos um, yeah welcome obviously we talked about as we talked about did some stuff for etnies it just the first shoe brand i did art for was globe some insoles for globe um doing lots of barracks stuff obviously did santa Excuse cruz me. boards not long ago did I, I did the santa cruz boards for the mars attack series yeah i did that um did some art for madrid i have those boards here uh, yeah. i think, I, think I introduced you to madrid i i gave you did the name to them yeah, yeah. For sure yeah they're great they're great to deal with I they're have great them. people for sure and i and i when he asked me who do i know that could do some series i'm like dude i i i, I don't refer them people who i know can't pull it off and can't pull through and so. Got a Madrid board right here. Nice. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So I did uh, some Madrid. I'm trying to think of. Oh, Remind Insoles. So I just uh, I've been doing Remind Insoles. I did Boo Johnson's insole. I did uh, some wheels for some people. There's a wheel brand I know you're doing stuff for. Yeah, I've done lots of wheel brand stuff. I'm just trying to think of which one specifically. I did even some board graphics for some obscure brands that are like at a that are tied with falling out of like uh, South America. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I have a, I have this one graphic I just finished. I could probably show it off. It's Trevor McClung's graphic for Remind. It's a face in the trees. You see the girl's oh, face? Oh, cool. How, wow, that's really good. I like that. That camping vibe. Wow, that's yeah. really, I like that a lot. That's well done. Thank you. 
Yes, and it's, at it's, first it's, I did not see it until you saw, said that, and then it started like becoming really supposed good. to be subtle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've done a lot. Of even I've been doing a lot of even uh, most. Some artists won't do uh, skate shop stuff, but I mean, I feel like supporting skate shops is important. Well, if you like the shop, and it's your, it's one of the shops that you you relate to. That's an awesome thing to do. Yeah. So I mean, I've done some art for Blue Tail Shop in uh, South Carolina do a lot of their stuff um david's a rad dude and here's a little graphic i did for sanction shops in toronto i used to live in toronto back in the day cool. it's like the whole covid like is anybody out there like no we don't live outside anymore we all live inside of our computers yeah we live in in zoom we do. Well, do you know that skateboard hard goods are flying off the shelf? Or I have zero PowerFlex wheels. I sold them all. I'm fighting to get some more production in here. And I actually took orders for more last week than I did last year. I was going to tell you, uh, my, my PowerFlex wheels are getting a little flat spotty. I need a new set. So. Yeah, and they're hard to flat spot. So you <laughs> had to be working that really hard. Um, yeah, I do a lot of power slides. I'm old. Yeah, yeah no, um, I, know, I know kids who've ridden them for months and could never flat spot them. So... Um, you know, it's, well, I mean, you did give me those a while ago. They're not like, like they're a not like a half ago or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tells you how much I changed my stuff. Um, so now tell me about your other, uh, um, your other thing you have going with the, with the band. You have a, um, uh, a band that you do some artwork for, right? What's In flames, like the metal band. No, what's yeah. the, you were, you did a website, you were doing, uh, doing all the art for it. Uh, oh my God. It's one of my favorite shirts. Actually, it's super comfortable. Um, Clayman. Clayman. There you go. Yeah, but it's with Inflames. So oh, the, singer of in, the singer of Inflames and I have the clothing brand together. And I have a skate deck here. With, with, uh, it's a Clayman skate deck. We did some limited runs. Uh, it's all nautical. I, I absolutely love the Clayman t-shirt you gave me a while ago. It's very, it's very soft, good graphic. Just fits, It's metal. It fits good. So, so We joined forces with uh, Universal Music on that one. Um, we were printing and shipping everything out of my basement here for a while. And in flames is a big band. And as you know, anyone listening that knows metal knows that. Um, and so their merch is all printed by bravado, which is universal music. And uh, at one point we just turned around and, and pitched them. Like, if you're going to like sell the in flames merch, why don't you just sell um, our merch as well? And they did. So, oh, so you still do they, the art they, for it, but they handle the sales. Yes, they print everything, they distribute everything, and they do the marketing. And yeah. so it's a licensing agreement. And, uh, and you know, I'm still the art, and yep. Anders is still the front man of it. And actually, I can show you some brand new art. We just did it for Clayman and Flames. We've got a bunch of panels here. We put out that cassette tape I was telling you about. And uh, so here's, here's the rocket ship on the front. Cool. That's a unique looking rocket ship. I like it. You know, some, some hyperdrive space stuff. And then uh, there's the there's a spaceman that's also on the shirt. That's in the so these are all uh, art panels that are inside of the tape, right? Cool. So it's like a I love that tape. You went backwards. You took yourself back to 1975. No. There's the, the final fight. You know, my whole idea of this that, is that like King Kong esque with a little man inside the hand of the. Well, my the vibe was was comic book, right? And um, yeah. this 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 is almost like it's it isn't, but it's like Silver Surfer and Galacticus. You know what I mean? Like he's fighting this 
huge space demon creature, which was like in my mind, it was like Galacticus. You know, I, I didn't grow up like reading comics that much. Neither did I. Neither did I, to be honest. So, but I feel like now that my like art is like lending itself to that style, like why fight it? You know what I mean? Like like I naturally draw graphic novel slash comic slash skate style. So well, ultimately, I just like art. Like when I did stuff with with Image Comics, Extreme Studios, we went in with uh, skateboard shaped cutouts, me and Jinx, and we'd lay them mm -hmm. over stuff they were working on and go, hey, that's what we want. Page 138 from you know this issue, give it to us on, it used to be like a side quest or a zip disc. Um, and we would mock it up because we never had, we didn't have them draw skateboard art because obviously we, did, we weren't doing big numbers, so they weren't gonna really do that for us anyways. So, but we would always ask for stuff that they would have thought we'd never asked for because we were looking at the art. They were thinking of characters. They were thinking like, but this is the main character. We're like, oh, yeah, but we're selling art. We're not selling your main character. We're not licensing it like it's freaking Superman because that's pretty mm -hmm. much the kitty market. You know what I mean? That's like, that's not who we're trying to sell to. We're just trying to sell art to skateboarders, you know? And, uh, and I'm sure while a couple of them might recognize some characters, we weren't really, I never felt we were selling characters. We were just selling good art, you know, and yeah. they had lots of good art going through there. So we just let randomly pick stuff. I did stuff with uh, Le Leo. It's half of it, right? Like What's you're that? saying like like the layout is half yeah. of it. So we literally walked into their thing with, 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 we had cutouts made the shape of skateboards and we'd hold them over stuff to visually see if that would fit in the shape of a skateboard. And then just ask them because it was being penciled, inked, shaded and a big, huge file because this was again, the early days of large files. I mean, it was hard at the time Paul Schmidt was making some of our stuff in the beginning, selling stuff. And it was, he spent a fortune on a computer to get enough RAM to be able to process those files. You know, because you know, <laughs> 300 megs of RAM, 300 megs, not gigs, you know, 300 megs of RAM was huge and it cost like $50,000 in RAM, you know, um, and it's what it took to process those boards. The old, that were, the old jazz drives, remember those? Jazz drives, oh God, we had SideQuest jazz drives. Uh, <laughs> we had every, every variation of tape backup drive. I mean, you name it. And, um, so yeah, but we were always picking art and I did the same thing with uh, John Chris Felusi who created Ren and Stimpy. You know, I, I licensed stuff from him uh, and went to his studio in LA and would just, we just pick stuff and, uh, and throw it on the skateboard. They didn't draw it for the skateboards, you know, so um, yeah. Can I show one last artwork before I take you off? Take up May, and then we're going to cut this thing off before freaking uh, Zoom cuts us off. Well, not only that, I got to go pick up my kid before my wife's here. He's probably going to be there to But um, so Frankie Hill just did a, a shout out uh, uh, on me on his uh, podcast there. So I just want to show this original top sheet graphic I did cool. for Frankie Hill. Now, awesome. So Frankie has a podcast? Well, no, he did a, a oh, different he did, podcast. He did a podcast uh, with someone. Okay, yeah. There's a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I totally get that. You know, like I don't even, you know, I have no expectations of being like a major podcast. I just want to be a catalog of interesting people to listen to. Um, if don't don't sell yourself podcast. short. I think you could, you could go big time. Well, but I'm not worried about it. If it goes big time, it's big time. I'm not, it's not, I don't have a goal. I'm not like one of those. I mean, you got a great name behind the show. Yeah. It, well, exactly. It was named, but there's this really <laughs> kooky guy in Canada who just scribbled <laughs> it on a piece of art and, uh, and I stole it from him. And, uh, you know, I'm going to plagiarize it till I die. So, right. um, <laughs> <laughs> like the person that, that designed the Nike solution, I heard about that one. <laughs> no, I didn't hear about that one, but I don't doubt it. So, then Nike paid her years later. Oh, she got my, she got, she got back pay. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That, that company did go rather large. So <laughs> I guess maybe we should, we, you know, we, we should end the show by reminding people that I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you? 
You want me to tell who I am? You are. We're just reminding. We're ending the show the same way we started it. Oh, yeah. I'm Mark Kowalczyk. Thanks for listening to uh, this hopefully not so boring art talk. Uh, I, I don't think it was boring. I had fun, you know. And the good thing, here's something the good thing about podcasts. If someone's listening and they were bored 15 minutes ago, they already fucking turned it off. So they're not even listening. So if you made it this far and you're still listening, hey, thanks for listening. And if we bored you a little bit, you know, hey, I'm sorry. You could have probably listened to something worse, but, you know, and you probably could listen to something better. But we hope you had fun. Um, and I hope you guys uh, check out Mark's work and you appreciate it. Uh, Mark, I appreciate you. You've always been uh, quite a gentleman to me um, about, uh, you know, work and just life and art and sharing things about kids and, um, and making fun of me, which I appreciate. And I'll make fun of you right back. And, uh, and I enjoy watching you be a dad because it's, uh, I, I, my, my kids are all in their 20s. So it's, it's fun to watch you have to go through the, uh, the wonderment of it all. So cool. I'll drop them off for you to babysit. You know what to do. I love, I would love to babysit. So if you can fly them out here, I'll, I'll let you have one night of dinner and then you can have them back. Okay. Sounds good. Deal. <laughs> we'll watch cartoons. All right, brother. It's been, uh, it's been fun. Well, not known. I should go get Jonas. You should. All right. Tell Jonas I said hi. And he's going to go who, um, Okay. All right, brother. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Thank you again for joining me. Good. Thanks. Adios. Bye-bye. Show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.